Well, I planned on starting a new series with you today, though still in the book of Ephesians, in the chapter, the new chapter five that we haven't arrived to yet. And uh, we're going to call it Love Life, Fixing It and Finding It. And we'll get into that next week. And uh, basically, I invite you to come back. What this series is about is relationships, dating relationships, those who uh, maybe struggling in marriage, maybe you find yourself single again, but it's not just related to romantic type relationships. There'll be lots of principles that will be applicable for friendships, for workplace relationships and so on. So I invite you to come back next week as we dive into that new section of Ephesians. I'm really looking forward to it. And, and just to give you a heads up for some of you parents, this might be a little bit of more of a PG rating. Okay, because we're going to get into some things uh, that I think we need to talk about in our culture uh, that's out there, that's rampant, that's bombarding uh, us 24-7, and yet so many times we don't really talk about it in church. And if all places, that's where we need to talk about it and find out what God has to say about it and how we navigate through uh, such an impure society and messed up society in terms of relationships. So I hope you'll come back and invite someone with you. But today I'm going to share more of a preachimony. What I mean by that is I'm going to preach and teach, but uh, weave my testimony in as well a little bit. And I invite you still to go to the book of Ephesians because what I'd like to do is in the context of do this and doing this kind of look through in Ephesians uh, and uh, do a little bit of review this morning. So starting in chapter four, I'd like to bring your attention to verse seven. Yesterday, we had a wonderful time. Uh, our church Many of our church leaders and some from other churches uh, were here with a couple named Charlene and uh, Vernon Armitage doing some equipping training. Very thing we've been talking about from Ephesians 4, looking at and brainstorming and discerning how we as a church and the other churches involved could become even more a true Ephesians 4 church by equipping and empowering people to use their gifts and ministry. At one point, they asked for us to give some feedback to another person to share with them an aha moment that maybe they've discovered at that point in our time together yesterday morning. And one of the verses, though I've understood the principle before, stood out to me as something new. We've looked at it, verse 7 of chapter 4, where it says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, most of us probably have thought about the cross and the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness. But how many of us have seen the cross as a means of gifting us with the grace of gifts to serve? Kind of interesting. We did talk about the analogy, however, when we were in this chapter of of the military general, when he accomplished a new territory, had great victories and come back when he came back, he would be celebrated. There'd be like a ticker tape parade thrown for him. And part of what he would do was to share the spoils with those that were present Paul used that imagery that Ephesians, as they were reading this letter, would have understood. Jesus accomplished a great victory to bring salvation as a gift, but also to release gifts that we could use to serve. And this is the concept I've said before that I've 
been very familiar with, and I hope you are too. We have not just been saved to sit, soak, and sour. We've been saved to serve. There's a song. You've probably heard it, and you will hear it again through a video at the end of the service. I am redeemed that I think sums up it well in terms of our experience with the cross, receiving the gift of salvation, receiving the gift of service. I'm not what I used to be, is the phrase. I'm going to use that throughout this preachimony. And uh, through Christ, I have come to realize, and I'm sure you have as well, accepting Christ gives you assurance of a certain destination. It rescues you from the penalty of sin, which is eternal separation in the lake of fire under God's wrath. But because of his love, his mercy, he sent his son to take the sacrifice for us. When we receive that, we are secure to that destination. But it also gives us a journey. It gives us a journey where, as we've been talking about in Ephesians, where various transformations take place in that walk. And I'd like to share some of those with you from the principles of Ephesians. And I hope that at some point you resonate with that journey and you ask yourself, first of all, where am I at? How can I get to that next stage? And then maybe say, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to. Or maybe it's a, it's a response of like we've had this morning, of re- rejoicing in his incredible love and mercy and his redemption in your life. I've shared before, I've, I grew up in an alcoholic home, which unfortunately is not all that far from the norm today. In some cases, it might not be alcoholism, it might be drugs, it might be other severe dysfunctions, it might be the pain of dis- divorce or whatever it is. But through my experience of that, struggle would be a word that I would use to describe my life at that point. I struggled with the hurt from all of the transpired in my home and what what it caused in my heart, the anger, the questions why. I struggled with the loneliness that sometimes that caused in my life. As a matter of fact, I've shared my testimony before and I've started it like this. I once was a lone tree standing in an open field. And it described the time I remember in this struggle season of my life as a young boy, eight to ten years old, driving by a hundred acre field with this big flourishing tree right in the middle of it, but nothing else around us. I feel like that tree all out by myself. Have you ever felt that? It seemed like all of life was nothing but this big struggle. And I remember thinking, surely there's got to be more to life than this. And praise God and His grace, there was. And He led me to a small country church in Wisconsin where I grew up during a vacation Bible school week. And I heard a person give a preachimony of his own of sorts. But was sharing in the wordless book. And I remembered hearing some of what I shared before, and I responded, and I knew instantly I was different. I didn't know exactly how or why, but I didn't feel so alone anymore. Something was different. I wasn't the same anymore. 
In Ephesians 2, 5 through 8, if you'll turn there with me, it describes this newness of life we all experience. It talks about how we're dead in our transgressions and sins. But in verse 4, it says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. I felt that new life, though I couldn't articulate it very well. I wasn't the same anymore. If you today are in that place, maybe a journey, you haven't started your journey with God. And you would identify with what I've shared, that life has been nothing but a struggle, a sense of being alone, hurt, angry, why, questions that have come in your heart. Jesus, my friends, is the answer. It's the beginning of the answer. All you need to do is open your heart's door and receive him. If you're unfamiliar how to do that, we'd love to share that with you. On the back of your card, you could say, how to become a follower of Christ? Check that box, and we'd love to talk with you more later. You can turn it in in the back box there underneath the clock on your way out. But fast forward a couple years, a young man in his mid-30s who had been changed by God followed a new call in his life. He left being a guidance counselor and owning his own real estate business. Some of you know this guy. His name is Jake Roberts. Anybody know him? You haven't seen him for a couple of weeks. He's been on vacation, but he's coming back this week. He followed God's call. Left everything behind to go to this church I grew up in. And even as a 12-year-old started having Bible studies with me, and I joined a Bible study on Wednesday nights with other adults and studied. I was the only young kid there. But I studied the book of James. I studied Revelations and I think Romans as well. And, and I was transfixed. Not only what I was learning in my mind, but something else I began to realize was this, that I was, I was establishing a new identity in Jesus Christ that made me secure. That made me stop believing the lies I had bought into that I told myself and that others were telling me. I wouldn't have been able to articulate it then as I do now. But really, in essence, they were truths from Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go there. Remember when we started this book, it was the promise at the very beginning is for every believer, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Positioned with Him in the heavenlies. And the only challenge is living it out here on earth. Verse 4 and 5 talks about that we're adopted as sons. And this was a, a predestination work of God where even before ahead of time, He chose those of us who would come to know Him. As I began to realize that, I thought, wow, Lord, I didn't feel like I had the Father like I ever wanted, but I have a Heavenly Father that has adopted me, that loves me just the way I am, and, and He... He can guide me in the way I always longed to be guided. Verse 7 talks about redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As I received that, I, I realized I was forgiven. And there was a great peace that came with that. And verse 11, it says, In Him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose. Now, there's an interesting statement. God has a plan for me, for you. And as I started realizing that, I was blown away that this insignificant person out in the middle of nowhere that God would care about, and not only care about, have a specific plan for 
In verse 13, it says, and you also were, and I like the NIV, which is why I'm using that this morning in this particular verse, especially included. You were included in Christ. Something else I realized in that Bible study and through Jake's listening and praying and mentoring. I realized I had been placed in a family that had become more significant and meaningful and strong in my life than my own family. I want you to do something for me. Would you just look and, and really take the time to do this? Look beside you. Go ahead. The people beside you, behind you, in front of you, way over yonder of you. For some of you, this is the most significant, strong family you will ever have. Some of you have shared some of your burdens with me even this last week. This is your family. Lean into them and be that family to others. It made a world of difference in my life, and it still is making a difference in my life. You are still making a difference in my life. At that point in my life, I realized I'm not the same anymore. I'm not what I used to be. Around that time, at junior high, I was able to go to summer Bible school camp in northern Wisconsin for free as I memorized 250 verses. And I heard a similar preachimony, another one. A kind of message like I'm sharing with you this morning. And it was riveting and stirring to my soul. And it's the first time I really recall. We've talked about this a lot in the last years. The whispers of God. The numinotions in my heart. They were saying I want you to be a pastor. And I said yes. And I knew even as a junior high student. That's what I was supposed to do with my life. Though I responded in faith and was excited about that, I still, however, throughout high school was a fence straddler. I had one foot in the world trying to find acceptance, fulfillment, peace. Trying to find popularity and I would do anything to get it. Maybe you have been there, maybe you are there now. God in His grace still didn't let me go in His mercy. He disciplined me at different times and I still didn't get it. But he was very patient and I grew still and I led other friends to Christ. But all the time, the call had its grip on me. Turn to Philippians or I'm sorry, Ephesians 2.10. This has become one of my theme verses for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I always knew that that was my call and I'd always get there, even if it was slow and coming. But you know what? Every one of you, too, has that specific call. You don't have to be a pastor or missionary or anything. You have a specific call, a ministry God wants you to fulfill. Once I realized that and received that, at that point, I knew I wasn't the same anymore. And if you've never reached that stage and you accept that, you will realize, too, you will never be the same. I found great meaning, significance, and purpose in that call. And that only intensified as I went to Bible college. As I was looking to find words to describe that season of my life, second, or Ephesians 2.11 popped into my mind for some reason. Therefore, remember that formerly you 
who are Gentiles by birth were called uncircumcised. Now, you might think that kind of strange, but I was really rough around the edges. And that's why that stands out to me. But that also stands out to me, that season of my life where I finally started learning and through serving, I realized there's nothing in my past that had anything that I wanted anymore. And once and for all, I committed to follow Christ regardless of the cost. That song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, was a song I loved and I tried to emulate in my life. I experienced great victories over besetting sins and saw and experienced the joy of being used of God to minister to other people. It wasn't called CBC, Calvary Bible College, or we, as we nicknamed it, Calvary Bridal College for no reason. It was because there I met this beautiful Bermuda babe. Her name was Alona. And still for the life of me, I have no idea what she saw in me. I was a Casanova still of sorts. And like I said, very rough around the edges and really a jerk in a lot of ways. And boy, did I jerk on her heartstrings back and forth. But in her patience, her grace, I learned so much. I was transformed by her and realized the call that she was the one. And we got married. I was never the same. After college and getting married, we embarked on our first couple ministry ventures. And in those first couple churches, we experienced some incredible hurts. And saw the dark side of our call to ministry that almost completely clouded any sense of optimism that we had about the future and impacting and changing people's lives. In retrospect, however, it was some of those dark nights of the soul for us that cemented the transforming and powerful truths of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and through 3. I'd like to look at with you again as a prisoner for the Lord. Then Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have been received. There is no language there, did you notice, that says that's going to be easy. And sometimes it's downright hard and painful. And it goes on to say, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And remember the word spudazo, give it all you got. Leave nothing left on the table to do this, to be patient with people, to love them, to bear with them, to keep unity. In some of those most painful, difficult times, we learned the power, even though we didn't feel like it at the time, to love enemies, to serve them, to pray for them, to try to establish peace with them. I read a book some time ago called Leading with a Limp. And I love the title because in those days and at different times, I still felt the call I needed to lead, to equip, to encourage, to minister. But boy, were we limping bad. We learned how to play hurt and it was okay to do that. Jesus did the same thing. And through that, we gained the belief 
more than ever that Jesus and his church is the only hope of the world. For all the world's hurts, pains, angers, it's only hope for any possibility of peace and relationships. We developed a heart, as we've looked at before in Ephesians 2, to be bridge builders, to be bridge walkers, though it was uncomfortable and painful and difficult at times by God's grace. We've experienced the joy of seeing God do miracles in such relationships. Fast forward uh, several years to Monument Bible Church almost 10 years ago. We accepted the call to come here. We had, for the first time in our ministry life of 22, 20-some, well, it's been 22 years now. But before we came here, first time we were part of a church in Kansas City where we really saw the church working as we thought it should. We've always looked at in Scripture, and we were excited to be a part of such a team, and we were growing. We saw people come into Christ, and then we met in a school for five years, just about to move into our new facility and then jake called and messed it all up and really it wasn't jake it was god all along we realized that over time and we came but i tell you what when we came we had some fear in our hearts and wondered if we'd ever experience an authentic acts two type of church again but it didn't matter we came because we were following god's call for our lives and thankfully Our fears were unfounded because this has been the most amazing church we have ever experienced. I had never envisioned when I came doing some of the things that I've been involved in these last 10 years. It wasn't on my radar. I wouldn't have sought it, and I didn't seek them. I've, I've told you I've always been the Moses person, reluctant, but somehow willing and available Eventually, in becoming a lead pastor, one of the things that I've cast before you and over and over again is let's glorify God by two things. Maturing deep in our relationship with the Lord and multiplying ourselves. And though I've sought to do that for you the last few years, really, you've done that for me in so many ways for our family. And I can't thank you enough for that. We've been molded, we've been shaped, we've been changed. We're not the same. And I sure would like to believe you aren't either. So some of what I'm about to share is really your fault in a lot of ways. Just like countless others who have been matured here through the years, even since I've been here through Monuments Ministry, some have been called to multiply themselves by being sent Some to Kansas, Nebraska, some to Slovenia, Germany, Poland, Peru, China, Trinidad, Guyana, others I'm probably forgetting. To expand God's work of redemption. And now it's our family's turn, my family's turn to respond to that call. Multiplying ourselves, multiplying the things you have taught us by going. And since I know I couldn't get through this, I just have to read this for you. Because it's been the most difficult decision I think we've ever made in our lives.
As many of you know, I have sensed a burden from God to invest some of my ministry efforts in seeking to disciple and encourage those in the marketplace to be fully devoted disciples of Christ and to use their workplaces as a platform to minister to others. That has led me and others to be involved in starting a ministry called Common Pursuit and to bring the Leadership Summit to our valley. Further, through your incredible prayers and support that we have really felt deeply and we've been given, we've been given great freedom to be involved in several mission trips, some of which you were involved in and with. I believe each of these experiences have helped me to grow and have been great for our church and have enabled me to be a better pastor. It is through such endeavors as I have sought to be faithful, however, that has also opened up other doors that wouldn't have even registered in my radar, let alone tried to pursue. One such door was Kingdom Way Ministries. Jim Dismore, the founder and president of this ministry in Fort Collins, helped start Common Pursuit in our area. And through that connection, he and his wife, Margaret, have become close friends to our family. Over the past few years, he has asked me to consider being his successor and taking over and expanding his ministry to business leaders, to churches around the world. The thought was always intriguing and sometimes even exhilarating, except the realization of what it would most likely mean for me. For my family, leaving the pastoral ministry, in particular you at Monument, which we have loved so deeply. I almost felt to even consider such a change would be a betrayal of the clear call I'd received from God to be a pastor of a local church. That is until one day God helped me to understand that I wouldn't be leaving the pastorate, but would be continuing on as a pastor only in a broader sense. As it's helped me to envision it, I've come to see that these years God has planted me in a furrow, pastoring one local church at a time, of which Monument has been the longest of tenure for us. But God helped me to realize that he still wanted me to pastor, but only in a larger field instead of a furrow. I think it was John Wesley who once said, the world has become my parish. And I can't explain or articulate it really, but that echoes the voice of my heart more and more each day. And with Kingdom Way, I have the full freedom to follow this calling and develop it as God leads. In retrospect, through my time in scripture and prayer and journaling and seeking counsel of others, I believe God has been stirring this in my and my wife's heart for some time. Partially because I do not feel worthy or adequate for what I believe this call will entail, I've been fighting it. Yet, as my wonderful wife so gently reminded me of recently, this is not about you. It's about what God wants to do in and through you and us and around the world. If you don't say yes to him, he'll simply pass you over and choose someone else. You've got to love such a godly grace gift. She was exactly right, and I couldn't bear the thought of being passed over by God for something he's designed me and my family to do. So this is a reluctant Moses of type, a person and finally caved. I've surrendered. I, along with my lovely wife and kids, have crawled on a limb with God, completely trust him for what's next. As such, we cover your prayers We, of course, will be praying for you and love you deeply as well. And we'll always treasure our ministry time here. And we desire to be seen as sent ones rather than those who leave. And I quote here Acts 13, 1 through 5, as the elders 
have been praying with me at least these last couple months on this and been dialoguing openly about it. I'm not what I used to be. And neither are you. We've all been given a gift, a gift of salvation. We've all been given the gift of service. Redemption will complete its course by God's promise, by His provision. And I know we're out of time, so if you need to leave, certainly understand. But we would like, I would like to share a video with you that I hope will minister to you deeply. And then Kevin and Steve would like to come up and share just a few words.